Let's pray. Father, may the words of our mouth, the meditation of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight, for you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I tell you, I have been worried all week long. I mean, it's just, it just one thing after the other. I, I was worried whether I'd ever get this sermon done. I was worried whether it would actually be any good. I worried whether my wife's pie would turn out. I, you know, the very fact that she made a, a sour cream raisin pie, I worried whether I'd ever get a piece of it. And, you know, and, you know, and I, go, I went to bed last night. And I, thought, I was worried. I always worry about, you know, whether the alarm will go off and I'll hear it. Because you know, I'm just worried that if I'd ever missed that alarm, that I would somehow get here late. And I, tell you, I, I just worry about having to be anywhere where I can't be on time because... I tell you, just, it worries me to no end to think that I would be completely out of control. And, and then to worry about getting here and then suddenly worrying about the fact whether I actually had my Bible class prepared or not. You know, and that just about drove me nuts because you know, I'm worried about if I don't get that done, then I'm not going to really get to spend time with my sermon this morning. And then I'm, I'll tell you, to be quite honest, I'm just worried about what you guys think about that because you know, I, I just don't want you to have to be worried about all... I don't know, what's the theological term for that? What a crock. <laughs> well, this is us, isn't it? I, I like this cartoon. <laughs> you know, one bird saying to the other one, what's eating him? <laughs> I guess God doesn't take care of him like he does us. And we're worried about expenses and anxieties and bills and worries. And then yet, Matthew, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Well, we are in the third week of our current series, What If? And the purpose of this series is really to explore the possibility of abandoning bad habits and picking up good habits, uh, abandoning bad ideas and adopting good ideas so that our lives can be you know, more biblically effective, more spiritually productive, you know, more, more satisfying when it comes to our relationship with Christ. Now, I'm going to take you back a little bit. Week one, if you weren't here, the question was, what if we actually decided to forgive everybody? I mean, I ask you questions like, what if you let go of that unforgiveness that so many people hang on to? What, what if you were to treat other people as Jesus treated everybody else? What if you were actually, you would actually pray for reconciliation instead of always standing in judgment over somebody? What if you were to actually meet face to face with somebody uh, and ha- that you have conflict with and seek some resolution? What if you ever actually you forgave everybody who ever offended you? And you learn to do it exactly the way Jesus has done it for you. Well, last week we looked at what I referred to as uh, one of the most difficult things to do, and that is learning to change the way that we think. Now, the Bible, if you remember the passage last week, it, it says that we need to learn to take captive every thought. In other words, we are asking you to think about what you are thinking about and run your brain through these filters. Remember this last week? Uh, We are to ask ourselves, is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it excellent? Or is it praiseworthy? 
Well, this week, we're going to go deal with, one, I think, one of the uh, most futile, futile of all human tendencies, and that's the habit of worry. I, I almost titled this message, Worry is a Waste. And, and you know, th- there are two topics that are really pretty closely together, and that's taking captive your thoughts and worry. So let me just talk about some of the problems you have if you worry. And some of you know these because some of you are really good worriers. But we're going to see that that's not a very good thing to be good at. One of them is it causes health problems. You know, when you begin to look at worry, you see that it causes nothing but trouble in your life. Now, I don't know if you know where the word worry comes from. Worry comes from an old English word that originally means to strangle, to choke. I mean, you think about that. When you worry, you are literally strangling yourself. You're choking yourself. And in fact, worry has all kinds of health problems. Many of you know this. It it leads to great anxiety. It leads to sleeplessness. I mean, I've heard people, oh man, I was up all night. Why? I was so worried about this. It leads to a loss of appetite. Well, you can tell I don't worry much. Uh, Or even worse for some people, it leads to overeating. Uh, It leads to headaches. It causes uh, acid reflux. It causes high blood pressure, it causes ulcers, and it even causes respiratory problems. Simply put, a lifelong habit of worry will probably not walk you to an early grave, but will probably gladly drive you as quickly as possible. Here's the second thing. Worry keeps you from enjoying the moment. I mean, worry doesn't just remove years from your life, it removes life from your years. It prevents you from getting the most out of life today. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Maybe, what was the, maybe I should say, when was the last time this actually happened to you? Uh, you woke up and it was an absolutely beautiful morning. The sun is shining. Uh, the sky is clear. The air is fresh and life is full of beautiful colors. I mean, the birds are chirping. It's an almost absolutely perfect day. But you can't enjoy it because you're obsessed over some little problem. Corey Tenboom, who had been a prisoner of war during the Second World War, said, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. Here's the third problem with worry. This, this ought to get your idea. Worry is a sin. To that, some of you, I'd have to say, you are really good sinners. Well, you're not really good. You're just doing something that's bad. Worry stems, if you think about it, from a total lack of faith. And the Bible says that anything that is not of faith is what? It's a sin. When we worry, in effect, we're saying, God, this problem I have, this one I'm obsessing about right now, this one I'm worried about right now, this problem is bigger than you. And quite honestly, God, I don't believe you can get me through this one. Now, today's message is really kind of, uh, hopefully, designed to encourage you to abandon this destructive pattern of living, this worry habit, and develop a new, empowering habit of just learning to trust in God and walking in faith. Now, I always pick out an appropriate tie for the day. I mean, I, I just don't 
reach into the closet in the morning in the dark and go, oh, take this one. I mean, I actually give it some thought because I, as many of you know, I've got lots of them. Now, I fished out this one this morning because, you know, it says WWJD. Now, most of you know that is, what would Jesus do? But I looked at it this morning and I thought, worry what Jesus had done. <laughs> That's the way I looked at it. Let's talk about worry and what Jesus has done to worry. And now, I'm going to say, if you, if, you can, if you can have this habit of trusting God and walking in faith, what good will it do? What good will it do? Three things. Number one, you'll learn to focus on what's really important. Now, some of you that are really good worriers, and some of us who are only kind of semi-pro worriers, and a few of you that are just kind of marginal worriers, you know that when you worry, we tend to overemphasize the significance of less than significant things. We make a big deal out of nothing. What do they say? We make mountains out of molehills. You remember what Kevin read to you before? Let me read it again, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body, more important than clothes? I think most of us understand that most things that we worry about are really pretty trivial especially when we lay them next to the ultimate concerns of life and eternity. You know, whether or not I get a piece of sour cream raisin pie today, if I lay that over against what's going to happen to me someday when I leave this world, my future, not a big deal. Here's the second thing. You'll recognize the provision of God. Verse 30, what Kevin read before, is, is that if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Now, he's not saying you don't have faith. If you worry, he's not saying you're going to hell on, you know, express lane. He's just saying that you have a weak faith, and when you have a weak faith, what happens? You don't experience the fullness of the joy that God wants to give you on a day-to-day basis. And so you miss out on all kinds of good stuff. I mean, most of our worries, again, trivial. In fact, somebody has said that almost like eight or nine, tens, eight or nine, ten, eight or nine out of ten things that we worry about never, ever actually happen. Thomas Jefferson once said, how much pain they have cost us, the evils which have never happened. You know, in my experience, uh, the reason why these worries never come to pass is because God provides for me in every situation. It's not that I just kind of luck out at the last minute. I mean, some people say, that, man, I, I got really lucky at the last minute. No, you didn't. There's no such thing as luck for a Christian. It's that God came through for you. And He came through for you. Why? Because God is good. God is faithful. And sometimes you're so hung up on this itty-bitty little thing, God has done something really big for you, and you miss it. See, when you're willing to let go of worry, you can see more clearly how God provides for you in each and every situation. So how do you learn to do this? Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not a real big worrier. 
And for years I've always made the joke that, you know, my wife worries a lot about the fact I don't worry, but I don't think she worries too much about me anymore. Uh, you know, she just, just, that's just the way the guy is. Not a whole lot of things bug me. Now, I, I don't know that there's an easy answer to that. Some people are maybe more prone or less prone to this than others. But I want to share a few things biblically, what we can do to learn to let go of this, put it into practice. First thing I would tell you is to check your priorities. Check your priorities. And the reason I say that is because in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus preached on the topic of worry. And it's interesting that before he ever got to the topic of worry, he preached on the topic of priorities. He reminds us not to lay up our treasures for ourselves on earth, but to seek treasure in heaven. Now, I was part of a funeral procession on Friday. And I noticed something again. I noticed what I did not see again. I did not see a U-Haul trailer in that funeral procession. I mean, you're not going to take it with you. Although some people think they are. You know, that's why I say you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. You can store up treasures in heaven by investing in eternal things. I mean, Jesus reminds us, too, that we can't serve two masters. Uh, We can't serve God and money. You just can't. He tells us in verse 34, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all of these other things. And and the things is a whole bunch of stuff. Now, worry ought to be a red flag in your life. It ought to be a warning, warning kind of a deal that something isn't right, that there is a disturbance in the force. And it's usually related to our priorities. When we worry, it's because we put something else ahead of God. And that means when you worry, sin is somehow involved. Now, when I do get wrapped up in worry, I begin by asking myself this simple question. Now, come on, Barry, what have you just now put ahead of God? See, we worry about the things we're not sure of, so we need to, we really need to, to make the effort to rethink our priorities. Jesus said the most important thing in life is what? Seek first the kingdom of God. It doesn't say when you get around to it. It doesn't say after you got all your money problems take care, uh, taken care of. It doesn't mean when you got all your ducks in a row. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his righteousness Get your priorities where they belong. Here's the second thing I would suggest when you're worrying a lot. Check your prayer life. Check your prayer life. You know, and just that worry is a signal that something isn't right. I want to suggest to you that if you've got a lot of worry in your life, there may be something wrong with your prayer life. Now, I'm not accusing anybody here of not praying when they have a problem. But maybe what I would be suggesting, and I'd suggest it to myself, is that maybe I'm praying about the wrong thing. See, in Philippians 4, 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, by petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Prayer has the power to remove worry. 
Prayer has the power to remove anxiety from your life. I remember talking to a professional fundraiser uh, one time a number of years ago, and he was asking me, he says, uh, do you know who the number one contributor was to Robert Schuller when he built the Crystal Cathedral? And I said, no, I don't know. He said, it was a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod layman. The number one contributor to Robert Schuller. And I said, wow, that's interesting. I wonder why he didn't give it to his own church. You know what his answer was? Because nobody ever asked him. I mean, that's the number one reason why people don't give to a political campaign, for example, is because they've never really been asked to give. And it's obvious if a person is never given the opportunity, they can't give. I think the same is true of our life. I mean, James says, and those of you ladies that just studied this, you know, in, in that last Bible study on James, you probably saw this passage. It says you don't have, why? Because you didn't ask. Just that simple. You do not have because you do not ask. See, for some reason, within our sinfulness, instead of asking God to help us through a situation, we fret over it. I know some people like to use that word fret because they don't like to use the word worry. I'm just fretting. I'm just concerned. See, instead of trusting God to work out the details, we continue to worry, fret, be concerned, <laughs> dwell on, whatever word you want. And in so doing, we miss out on this wonderful, awesome privilege given to every last person who calls himself a Christ follower, and that is to do what Paul says, present your request to God. That means any problem you have. That means any situation you encounter. Uh, you have permission, in fact, to be exact, you have a direct order from headquarters to make a request to God. Tell Him exactly what you want. I, I don't know about you, but that's quite a privilege. But if you're anything like me, and I have a, I have a feeling you, you are a little bit like me, you have a tendency to handle the little things and only bother God with the really big stuff. I mean, why bother God with this little thing? Let me tell you, there are two problems with that kind of stinking thinking. Number one, it's all small stuff to God. And second, if we don't let God help us through the day-to-day -day problems... How can we possibly trust him enough to help with the really big stuff? See, when you pray about everything, you begin to see God's power at work in, in the little inconveniences and in the major crises. I'll give you an example. I already mentioned a funeral procession one time. I, when, when I was pastoring in Belvedere, our hospitals were in Rockford. And that's about an 8 to 10 mile drive. And one day there was somebody in the hospital who was very sick. I was trying to get to the hospital as fast as I could. And when I pulled up to the corner of, I think it was State and Alpine, there was a funeral procession. And this guy must have either had a lot of friends or a lot of enemies because this thing was really long. And I was suddenly worried about not getting to the hospital. 
And I was getting a little bit angry, actually. I don't know why. And then all of a sudden I thought to myself, someday they're going to do that for you. Someday that funeral procession is going to be yours. And, in, and instead of worrying, instead of being concerned about it, I began to pray for that person who passed on, and in particular prayed for their family, that somehow, and, and prayed, and really hoped that the gospel had somehow been preached that day at the funeral. And that's just a, a little change of perspective. Even in a little inconvenience. First Peter says, cast all your anxieties, cast all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. See, in my life, I've noticed a kind of an interesting correlation between prayer and worry. Uh, how much I do of one determines how much I do of the other. And if you want to get rid of worry, I would say focus more on praying. Here's the third thing. Check your practices. It's kind of like look at what you do and then take action in the right direction. I mean, Dale Carnegie one time said that if you have a worry problem, you should do three things. Maybe so you took a Dale Carnegie course. Here's his three pieces of advice. He said, first of all, ask yourself, what is the worst that can possibly happen? And then prepare to accept it if you have to. And then calmly proceed to improve on the worst. Now, that's not necessarily biblical, but you know, that's pretty good stuff. And you can really draw a pretty good connection to that. And so I'm just asking, what's the worst possible thing here that can happen? And a lot of us never take it out to that extreme. But then prepare yourself. If, you, if this is the worst possible thing, then get yourself ready for it. And then calmly make it better. See, the magic in this formula is in taking action. Now, many people just kind of resign themselves, like, this is just the way it is. And they don't do anything about it. They tell themselves nothing can be done except to wait for the worst to happen. And as a result, their worries get what? Bigger and bigger and bigger. And things get worse and worse. I mean, doing nothing, that's going to sound like a strange thought, but doing nothing is like fertilizer. You do nothing and it just fertilizes your worries. And it causes your worries to just spread out of control. I mean, taking action, I mean, if, if doing nothing is fertilizer, taking action's got to be weed killer. It, it removes worry once and for all. I mean, Philippians, Paul said, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Then it tells you what will happen. And the God of peace will be with you. And, and the key phrase is, put it into practice. And just as there is a nice correlation between worry and prayer, there's a correlation between worry and taking action. The more you do of one, the less you'll do of the other. Again, I say worry is just some signal that, that something's not right. It's not part of God's plan for your life that you live in that case. God never promises a life without rain. He doesn't promises a life without sorrow or struggles, but he does promise us, believe it or not, a life without worry. So when worry creeps into your life, it's a signal that something's just not right. And when you're worried, it means you've got to start maybe thinking about making some changes. And what I want you to think about today in fact, what I want you to think about right now, I want you to think about something right now that you're worried about. 
Let's, let's be honest. We all got something. There's nobody here like, well, he preached such a great sermon on worry. I don't have another worry in the world. No, we all got them yet. We all got them. I want you to think about something right now that you're kind of worried about. Maybe it's your health. Uh, maybe it's your finances. Uh, maybe it's your marriage. Uh, maybe it's your kids. I mean, just, just choose one thing just for a moment. And with this topic of worry in mind, I want you to ask yourself some questions about this worry. Ask yourself this question. What are my priorities here in terms of this worry? What are my priorities? Am I seeking God first in this situation or am I seeking myself first? Am I trusting Him or am I trusting me? Do I want what God wants in this situation or do I want what I want when I want it? I mean, what are my priorities here? Then the second thing is ask yourself, have I prayed about this? I'm not accusing you of not praying. Not at all. I'm just asking you to ask yourself, has this matter been a matter of prayer for you? And are you praying biblically? Are you praying that God's will be done or that your will be done? Are you praying in faith? Do you actually believe that what you're praying for is going to happen in Jesus' name? Are you casting your worries on Him in prayer? Are you, or are you just kind of giving it lip service and tossing out a, a little one-liner, but refusing at the same time to let go of what it is that bugs you? And the third question about that worry, whatever it may be, is, have I taken any action in the direction of my worries? And here's what I've noticed. When I take even a pathetically small step, a pathetically small step in the direction of my worries, God gives me a large amount of peace in the matter. And guess what? As I look back at my life, the steps that I have taken in the direction of my worries have always been pathetically small. But at the same time, God has given me amazingly large blessings. Friends, the truth is we often hang on to our worries like they are a dear and precious friend. But if you would just let go of them, to seek God first, to trust God most, to follow Him as best as you can, you slowly but surely get victory over them and your life is just better as a result. Now, I don't know what you're worried about right now, but I, I want to end by telling you this. Life's biggest worry, your biggest worry. I mean, if I speak just to, I just say, Ted, Ted, you, you're, I don't know what you're worried about right now. You may be worried about your health. But I, want you to, I don't want you to walk out of here today, Ted, without knowing that your biggest worry in life has already been taken care of. You know what worry that is? It's the worry of where you will spend eternity someday when your life is done. I mean, 2,000 years ago, Mary, on a cross outside of Jerusalem, God settled your biggest problem once and for all. When Jesus is God's greatest worry destroyer, 
when he said it's finished, he took care of the rest of your life. And I tell you, when you come to accept that fact, I could almost picture Jesus saying to you, now get out of here and don't sweat the small stuff because it's all small stuff to me. Let's pray. And in our prayers this morning, I, I want to give thanks for seeing Ann Harrison here this morning. Good to see you back, Ann. And we thank God for his continued uh, improvement of your health. At the same time, I, uh, if you remember in your prayers, uh, Grace Schmidt. Uh, Grace was hospitalized a couple of days ago with a stroke. And uh, we're just praying that uh, she, she continue to slowly but uh, surely regain her strength. Uh, I know that there's some other people. I know Sheila Hensley's uh, is it, is her mother is hospitalized. Pray for mother-in-law. Pray for her. Uh, a number of other people. And, of course, yesterday, uh, Friday we had a funeral here as we laid to rest Astrid Fox. And so we'll continue to remember that family in your prayers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, you know, there are a lot of things in this, in this life to certainly have some concern about. And the idea is not ever to be able to think of something and to be, in a manner of speaking, worried. But, Father, let us never get to the point that, you know, that worry takes you out of the equation. Because we know that in the midst of, you know, life's biggest disasters, you're still there. You haven't abandoned us. And you desire to help us. We thank you that we've seen this in the restoration of health for Anne. Uh, we pray that you send your uh, healing hands also into Grace's life. And we also thank you for um, the, the life of Astrid, where you've called her home now. Uh, and you've made good on that promise when you said it is finished. Lord, be with all of us and, and help us uh, remember uh, what our priorities are. And teach us to pray. And teach us to take direction in the, in the, to take some action in the direction of our worries. May we follow the Spirit's leading. We pray it in the name of Jesus, who also taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's not a temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.